Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Episode 174 with Michelle Hoffman. And it's really interesting. I actually like label out what was the ideal client's problem and what's their dream come true and how quickly can I get them there? Uh, can I can I get them there? If not, I won't take them as a client. I'll refer them to someone who can. Um, and we talk about, you know, is this the right match? So um, one client, she had not seen her children in four years. Her ex-husband has 100% custody and she hasn't seen them. They've been online with each other. They're uh, six and, and eight years old. Wow. Four years. So she hired me to be a better role model for her children. And I'm like, oh no, the relationship here needs to be with your ex-husband. The children thing will happen. So she was open to that. She just never occurred. It never occurred to her. She'd been trying so hard to try and rebuild the relationship with her kids. She didn't think to do this. So in four weeks time, I gave her the skill set to do what she needed to do with her ex-husband. And now they are co-parenting again. He brought the kids to her. So amazing. And what I love about that story the most is that I tell my clients all the time, the problem's never the problem, right? What you come to me with is never the problem that we actually need to address. And the person that you think you need to fix your relationship with is never the person you actually need to fix your relationship with, right? Like, totally. oh, it's insane. So I laughed earlier because you talked about this absolutely amazing experience that you have with online dating. And I'm not sure that I have ever actually had a conversation with somebody who shares your enthusiasm. Oh my God. <laughs> so good. It's so good. So you have created a way to recreate your experiences. Tell me about that. Okay. So before I tell you about, well, I guess I could tell you about that too, but essentially I really put the time and effort into defining who am I and who would I like to bring in? So I've gone through my values I've gone through, who am I now? I've changed. Like if I met my late husband right now, I, he wouldn't be the right fit. Cause I mean, first of all, he was a lot younger than me then he'd be way too young now. But um, so I'm, I'm different. I need something different. I'm also two teenagers and a Dalmatian, right? Um, so I've really put the effort into streamlining super simple activities on how you describe yourself and what you bring to a relationship. Um, I, I wrote a clever headline, like 
I have a client in Seattle and hers was like, um, you know, I've got sunshine on a cloudy day is one of her <laughs> and she's in Seattle. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe your, your tagline could be something like, how can I be your sunshine on a cloudy or a rainy day? So, you know, mine is all about life worth living because that's the name of my book and that sort of thing. So I figured out, you know, who am I? What am I really looking for? What am I really, really looking for? And there's like parts of that are like, uh, like some of my clients are like, I want someone tall. And I'll be like, let's do a little deep dive. <laughs> because what is it you're looking for in tall? I want someone who can pick me up. Okay. How often do you want this guy to pick you up? I mean, literally. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's like, yeah, not that. There's a couple of people who really want tall people. I'm like, what is, you know, and what they're actually looking for when it comes right down to it is safety and security. Isn't that crazy? Like it's never about the thing. <laughs> I love it. So I'm like, well, what would make you safe and secure? And one person says, I want him to show up. I want him to be present. Another one says, I want him to be financially stable because that gives me security. And I'm like, does that equal tall? Does it have to equal tall? And they're like, no, it doesn't. So figuring that out figuring out relationship hangups or deal breakers. Um, for me, I love sailing and being out on the water. So if I have a choice, I'm going to find somebody who doesn't get seasick. It, you know, it's not actually a total deal breaker, but there's a whole world out there that I would like to pursue that if it's making you miserable, that's not going to be good. Yeah. I mean, how do you address, like, this is amazing and I love your approach. Um, there's a couple of things that are coming to my mind first and, and I'll tell you both of them and then we'll address them individually or together, however you want. Um, the first one that I'm thinking is like so many people don't want to do this work because they're afraid that they won't be what somebody else is looking for. Right? So if I tell somebody what I'm looking for and they don't live up to that, and right. then this relationship doesn't work, it's my fault, right? That's the way we've been wired. It's my fault that this relationship didn't work because I couldn't accept what the, what this person was. I needed something different or on the alternative, like what if what I want, what I truly want, what I need to be fulfilled in a relationship, somebody else isn't willing to give me. That means they're rejecting me, which is ridiculous, but that's the way we think. So there's that side of it. And then the other side of it, which is parallel is that these are super important questions to ask, but how do you get your clients to the point where they are able to ask them? Like, what's the internal work? How much internal work do you do with your clients so to the easy. point where they can get there? It's so easy. Um, so there, you've asked two different things and I'm like kind of busting at the seams a little bit because I want to tell you how I actually started doing this was on a happy hour, a virtual happy hour during the pandemic. You know, it's like, and a couple of my friends were like, I'm really exhausted trying to find a boyfriend. And there, I have uh, men as clients as well. They're about equal number. So, I mean, wouldn't it be fun? They're like, you're a matchmaker. And I'm like, okay, no, I'm not yet. 
but I understand where you're putting me. So maybe I will be one day, but today just give me some beta steps here. Um, but I was like, well, you know, you're not finding anybody who, who are you attracting online? And they're like, look, chop like, ah. you up what he's done with you. What does your profile say? I'm like, do you want me to help you with this? And they're like, well, yes. And I'm like, okay. So then I was like, I have so much I'm doing. Why would I put this new project on? And that was like a Friday night. And by Saturday afternoon, I had already put together a whole coaching arc of super simple activities, like a, a, it's sort of a game of, to figure out your values. And then also a game to figure, so I gamified it basically. Um, game, the game to figure out who would you like to invite in? Because having a lot of things in common with someone is super lovely, but that's not going <laughs> to together. It's going to be having values in common. That will give you the longevity that to go through what I call the relationship cycle when you're discovering someone and all the chemistry. And, and you were talking about how you see everything wrong. I think first we see what's right about people. And we're like, hmm, you're delicious and you're exciting and interesting and smart and funny and you like this, that, and the other. And then when you move from chemistry to casual and you have all these interactions, that's when we start to see, uh, you know, uh, the thing that just came to mind is a terrible example. I have a client who was calling me upset with her boyfriend and uh, because he wasn't carrying her stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and she's like, this is a deal breaker. And I'm like, well, um, so why, why was this a big deal? He, you know, you've told me he's thoughtful. He opens the door for you. He anticipates your needs. Why is this a deal breaker? And she says, cause my wrist hurt. And I'm like, did you tell him that? No. Is he a mind reader? Really? No. Oh, I guess it's not a deal breaker. I'm like, maybe you could express what's going on with you. I bet you he would carry your stuff because he's a really thoughtful man. She's like, oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> so from chemistry to casual, and I usually use the example of the interactions with casual of like, you squeeze the toothpaste from the middle or you don't put the toilet seat up or whatever. Those are things that sometimes people are like deal breaker. And then from chemistry to casual to do you want to get into a more committed relationship with this person? So it's that relationship cycle. And it's super fascinating. I figured everyone used these terms. I guess not. I made them up. Um, but that they're- hey, I like make up words all the time and it's amazing. Olympic rings, because I have a, a couple who are married and she was very much victimizing herself because her husband got this amazing job. She's so happy for him, but he's spending less time and attention on her. Here's Pixel. I told you she might show up. I love it. Mine just, I don't know if you heard the door open, but mine just literally pounded down the door to get in here. Yeah. She just opened it herself. <laughs> um, so it's like Olympic rings, these relationship cycles. And so I said, well, instead of being victimized by him getting this amazing job that you're happy that he's got, because it's going to be in the best interest of your long-term living situation, um, let's get you on top of that wave so you're surfing it. Are you glad he's got this job? Yes. Okay. 
Well, let's <laughs> the peanut gallery. Um, let's consider that he's got a relationship cycle of chemistry and discovery phase where he's making a good impression at work to casual, then it's going to be easier for him to spend more time on you to committed to knowing, you know, I know what to do with my job and that sort of thing. And then put those rings together because we have a lot of relationships in our lives. So here's the relationship she's having with her husband and the relationship he's having with her and he's having a relationship with work. So I said, get on top of that wave, be the reward he comes home to. Give him the freedom to know that he can focus his attention at work and build that chemistry and, um, and that, you're, that maybe the two of you can plan something where it's intimate time together so that you are the work-life balance. Episode 150 with the Biz Bros. Okay, I know all I want to do is be a soccer player. That's all I want to do. So let me be as lazy <laughs> as I can and find an internship where I don't need to go to an office, right? So I found this internship where my job literally was to <laughs> water plants. I was at this greenhouse and all I got to do was water plants and they had a bunch of mangoes on the ground and the rest of the day I would spend <laughs> eating mangoes. It was a nonprofit. Like two days out of that full month that I did interviews, I had to go to an office and those two days were extremely miserable for me, right? I was literally just looking at so the World Cup was going on at that time. So I was like in the computer trying to find the stream of the soccer games going on. So fast forward to the United States. And when I'm here and my identity crashed, right? When they told me the coach came and he's like, Luis, we're not going to offer you a contract. I was like, wow, this is the end. This is the end of the soccer journey. And I remember I went back home and I sat down, I was eating breakfast and my girlfriend at the time, she comes. And as soon as we make eye contact, I just start crying. And the reason was because that's when I realized this is over for me. Like the dream that, I be, that I've been chasing all my life is yeah. gone. That was my identity of the moment. It just crashed. So what am I going to do now? Right. And I remember, well, I don't want to go to corporate and I don't see any mangoes laying around. So it's not like I can go water some plants and eat mangoes. <laughs> so what am I going to do next? Right. And that's that's kind of like my start of a self-discovery journey of who is Fonsi? Right. Who, who am I? What am I? What, what do I want to do? I'm still in that journey. I think that's a ongoing, uh, yeah, ongoing journey for, for the rest of your life. Right. But Part of that was, okay, let's start something for, for ourselves, right? Let's, let's try to figure out what we're good at. Let's start a business. Let's, let's make mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah. The mindset was not that when we started. The mindset was literally, how can we make money fast, right? Like we did have a, a greedy mindset when we started and we actually referred to this in the previous episodes, but um, we heard it in a conversation that greed, that, that need for money, it is actually kind of like an ignition, an igniter, for a lot of entrepreneurs, right? And once you find yourself in the journey, then it starts evolving and you start finding that that purpose, right? This is all things that we discover, obviously. Along the way. Along yeah. the way, very far <laughs> along the way. But yeah, that is the mango story. I still haven't found any mangoes five years <laughs> later, you know, maybe one or twice here at the grocery store, but they're not as good, so. They're never <laughs> as good at the 
grocery store. So now all of a sudden, all the listeners are going to start sending you mangoes. Just hide your address. Oh, yes, please. Go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Delicious. So both of you mentioned something that I know really hits home for me and hits home for my listeners as well. And that's the idea of this identity crisis. And I don't think that there is a single way to pick yourself up from this identity crisis. So I'm interested to know for each of you, how were you able to, what were your first steps in kind of moving past that point? Man. Yeah. Um, so I think the identity crisis for both of us came at different times, right? Like for me, um, I, and I think it came at the highest of the soccer episode, right? Fonsi was coming out of six months of playing professional here in the States. For me, it was after spending two years in Europe playing for a few clubs up there, which is kind of like the, the main place to play right? Uh, I was very, very close to the dream, right? And for me, it came after a moment of frustration uh, with coaches, with injuries, like a lot of stuff going on, expectations from, from my dad, a bunch of stuff, right? And so when I came to the States, I used the sport as a vehicle to come to the United States, but already my mind was like, what can I do next, right? So the soccer was still present because I still had to play for a year. So for me to be eligible to, to go to school here in the States, but it was more a way of leaving Venezuela because the political situation was really uh, scary. So I, I had the, the pleasure to try a lot of stuff through college as far as like jobs. Uh, I, like I, I will have the most unconventional jobs. I was like a, a coordinator on a high ropes course. So people will hang out uh, 40, 40 feet, 25 feet off the air in harnesses and we were doing team building activities. So for me, like was, that was the type of job I was looking for uh, in search of the next thing, right? And, and uh, I will always think, I need to find the next thing. I need to find that my one thing. And then if I didn't like it, I will move on. And then when we first started the entrepreneurial journey together, uh, we started with stickers. We started creating vinyl stickers, like cutting stickers, uh, screen printing, t-shirts. So it was a matter of like trying many things and then see what we were passionate about with the, with the screen printing t-shirts. We hated the process. We, are, we were coming from uh, working uh, at 7 p.m. at night and then we have to do the squeaky thing that everybody seems to like. Uh, until 3 a.m. in the morning. And it was a very frustrating process. Uh, we're always tired. We're like fighting against each other. Uh, and ended up being, not being at the perfect relationship with the roommate that we we're working at the time. But we learned that we need to enjoy the process. So for me personally, it was, uh, and it still is a journey of like, okay, let me try if I feel that's fine. We call it samples now. Uh, this is the sample. And then we move on and, and, and try to find the, the, ne the next thing, right? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I'd, I've, I don't think I've ever seen identity besides when I was playing soccer tied to what I'm doing, yes. right? I don't see my identity as just the content repurposing. That's who Luis is. No, right? And, and through my story, I've realized that I'm more of an explorer. I love trying new things. I love meeting new people, right? Like that's where I find joy. And while doing this, then I'm like, okay, what I'm doing right now, does it align with my purpose, my, my identity as a person? Absolutely. I'm meeting incredible people like you, Amber, right? And that for me is extremely rewarding. And it has become part of my new identity, which is creating relationships, building meaningful relationships, right? So again, I think it is, it is an ever evolving process because I used to be that person that thought it was never going to change. I'm like, I'm a happy kid. Uh, I like, I like to have fun. I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. And now I look back and I'm like, wow, what a change. Yeah. Like I don't recognize the Fonzie. Like if, if Fonzie from today would have a conversation with Fonzie five years ago, 
I don't even know what what would be said in there, but the difference yeah. is actually like so tangible. It's weird, yeah. right? But I love it. And before I didn't see change as a as a way, if you want to put it that way. But today I see it as a, something exciting because now I look back and I see the change and I'm like, wow, where am I going to be in five years yeah. now, right? I, I want to keep evolving this identity that I have. Even with the conversations with people that we thought or like we consider friends or close friends right like they knew you because of something right and then mm -hmm. you start changing and you start doing different things and then they're like who are you like yeah. why are you talking about this right and for us that that was like pretty interesting to experience because we never experienced it we were always Luis and Luis the, 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 the kids that play soccer right and then now we do this content thing and now we have a podcast and now we develop relationships and now the people that we haven't talked to in like three years they come back and they're like wait, do you do what? Like, it's so weird, right? Like, and, uh, and I think accepting that that's okay, right? Because sometimes we're so close to our friends, so close to like family too, right? Mm -hmm. And they expect something different. And then you're like, you, you're changing those relationships. Doesn't mean that you're wrong. It just means that you're evolving and there's going to be new people in your, in your path towards becoming like that new person that, that you're becoming. And that's okay. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because one of the hardest things when people start to make these changes in their life is the fact that the people that they love can't resonate with that. And then all of a sudden they feel like they're losing that connection. They feel like they're losing yeah. their circle of friends. Um, I love what you said, Fonzie, about meeting new people. And I feel the same way about you guys. You guys are fantastic. And any road in my life that doesn't lead me to meeting people like yourself is just not a road that I want to go down. Um, what was so strange for me though, and I want to know if you guys felt the same way was understanding how much I truly loved people. Cause I always thought that I was this introvert, right? That, and I am, but I always thought that being an introvert meant that I hated being around people. And what I've learned is that like, I love people and I love connection. I just love to be able to walk away. So did you guys have a similar moment where you were like, oh my gosh, this connection is amazing. I think Fonzie can take this one for sure. <laughs> you know, like I, I feel I'll, like- I'll add my two cents after. Yeah, but. so I feel like we've, we've both been extroverted in our life. I consider myself more of uh, ambivert actually most people in the world scientifically proven is ambivert and for those that don't know is that you have traits from extroverts and introverts and I can yeah. I found myself in places where I'm at a party and I'm like all quiet in a corner <laughs> watching people right and then some other occasions I'm like the, the one making a fuss and talking to everybody but I never realized the value of meeting people and having these new conversations mm -hmm. until we started actually creating content right because then you start digging into people's mindset, right? Like, I feel like all the conversations that I had previously were very top of the surface, right? That you, you didn't dig deeper and you, I, I wasn't looking to learn from other people. And you can learn something from anyone. It doesn't matter who they are or where they are in their life. And when, I think when I recognized that, I was like, wow. Like every conversation that I have, I have, uh, you know, the opportunity to learn something. How incredible is that? And I, I love learning. That is like one of my favorite things to do, just literally sit here and like consume information and go to books and read. But now I can do it with someone, right? We can share yeah. opinions, whether they resonate with each other or they challenge each other. How exciting is that? So I think that has been definitely an eye-opening mm -hmm. for me. And again, it doesn't take an extrovert or an introvert 
to be able to do that, right? Like you can operate in your in your comfort zone. Um, I, I I feel most people, and I actually read this on a book. It's called "The Courage to Be Disliked." Most people use the and I'm gonna trauma. I'm here doing air quotes. Most, most people use trauma as an excuse to not do what they want, right? Most people say trauma defines their personality, but in reality, if you don't want to talk to a person, then you're using that trauma, again, air quotes, to not talk to that person. So it, it takes a, a good look at the mirror and, and say to yourself, do I really want to build these relationships, right? Do I really yeah. want to learn from other people? And then it just takes action. Just go and do it. Absolutely. I you, love you, that. Or you're going to add two you cents. my two cents? Okay, my two cents are... <laughs> So, you know, uh, the reason I let like kind of Fonzie or I, I ask him to, to go first is because, you know, out of the two, I feel like I am probably the most extrovert. Like yeah. if we go to a new environment, I'm normally the first one out there. I think Fonzie is getting a lot, a lot better at it after publishing, but like he was always kind of like, Hey, you go first. Like you talk, you, and then after the conversation is going, then we couldn't let, like he couldn't stop talking. Yeah. Right. So when we started this journey of like publishing or putting our, our, our thoughts into words, right. Uh, to me, that process operationally was not as challenging because of that trait. Episode 158 with Kristen Jekulek. My entrepreneurial journey started over a decade ago, and I've had a mix of failures and successes along the road. And my, my value video marketing business is born out of a failure. So I had been launching a coaching business, um, a resilience coaching business specifically because um, that's something I've really been able to master in my life and I see how important it is to help other people become resilient through those really hard, painful times. And then COVID hit and all my in-person events were canceled and I had to switch to online. So I started creating marketing videos for my resilience coaching business. And within a couple months, I had a lot more business owners and professionals interested in my marketing videos than I did in the coaching services I was trying to sell. So it being in the middle of the pandemic and everything that was going on, me having that entrepreneurial mindset, I was like, okay, there's a clear pivot for me here. There's a demand. People want to pay me for this stuff today. I'm going to move into video marketing. And, and it's been honestly the easiest breeziest business I have gotten started to date. So it's been a fantastic move for me. And I've learned that it's something I'm good at. It's something I enjoy doing. It's something people enjoy working with me to do and they love the results. So like, it's just a, an awesome scenario all around. I wish I'd found this sooner. So wait a minute, you're telling me that you actually get to like make money and love your job and that's a possibility in life. It's a possibility. And, and it's not following my passion per se, which is a big thing for me. Like I was doing the resilience coaching. Cause I was like, that's my passion. That's what I'll do. And following my passion led me here, which I'm very happy and satisfied with, even though this work isn't, let's say, my passion. That's a super important point because I do feel like we get so caught up in the why. And, and I'm a huge believer of starting with why and understanding the purpose of what you're doing. So I'm not bashing on that in any way, but we get so caught up on that, that we believe if it's not our passion, we can't do it. If it's not our passion, we have to like stick with following our passion or else we fail. So that's a really interesting comment. And I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And one other thing I found is that whenever you make your passion, your full-time job, your passion becomes drudgery because you have to do it. Now your passion actually gets in the way of creating a great sustainable business. Oftentimes, at least it did for me. So I can still pursue my passions in my own life and I can do it 
in, in, you know, pro bono volunteer ways for other people. And that's still there, but, um, I, I can focus on stability and, and fulfillment as opposed to just passion too. Yes. So one of the things that screams out at me with this story is your ability to be laser focused on something and then see this opportunity out of your peripheral vision and take it. I feel like so many times we're like, I got to make this work. I got to make this work. I've got to make this work. What was that like for you? Was it something that was just natural or did you fight it for a little bit? My personal life saying is have a plan to deviate from (laughs) because that's honestly how I've lived most of my life. And it tends to work out well for me. Like I will devote myself to whatever I'm doing right now, but the moment I notice something better, um, I will make a hard right turn towards it. So how do you avoid then the constant jumping, like what goes through your head? What are you thinking about when you're making the decision of whether to deviate? So you're not just jumping platform to platform or idea to idea. So it's about, it's about, um, making a pivot and not being flighty. So it's really about like, you don't, the moment you notice that you don't make the decision, then you, you notice that you say, huh, that's interesting. And maybe you start learning a little bit more, you start thinking about it, you, you mull it over with a couple friends, you get some input on that. And, um, and you wait for it to hit you over the head a few times. You know, like I had gotten asked repeatedly about my marketing videos before I decided to make that jump, but I, I had to kind of see that proof of how strong of an idea it was, how strong the demand was for that before I realized how much of a better um, path it was going to be for me. I love it. So, all right, I'm going to maybe push some buttons here for just a minute, but I was in, I love it. I was in clubhouse, which if you haven't heard of clubhouse go by the time this um, episode comes out, clubhouse will probably be, well, it's going to be bigger than it is now, but um, I was in clubhouse and I was listening to someone talk and they said, I don't work with people who have a plan B. And I thought, what? And so for me, I see both sides of this coin. And one of my absolute favorite videos that got me through some really hard times um, was a commencement speech by Charlie Day. And he says, I don't believe in having a plan B because it muddies up your plan A. And I heard that and I was like, oh my God, that's so true. So now I just have multiple plan A's. So for somebody like you, who's talking about having a plan to deviate from and always keeping your options open, what is your feeling when someone says, I won't work with somebody who has a plan B? Um, that there's, there's a few things that go through my mind. The first thing being, it's okay if I'm not for everybody. I don't have to be the right fit for every person on this planet. And, you know, in order to make something your plan A, you have to have a certain amount of belief in it. You have to have a certain amount of proof that it's a good path to go in, or or at least a certain amount of conviction that it's a good route to go in. And, you know, if money didn't matter for me, if I could have gone two years without an income figuring out how to sell resilient services and building up enough of an audience. And like, if that was an option for me, like I would have stuck with that. But realistically, I needed income sooner than that. Um, and that's kind of the path that I was, that I was on like, you know, not just any income, but I need consistent income long, long before that. So 
I had to weigh my desires and ideals against my practical daily needs. And that was where I, I ended up. And what helped was that, you know, doing videos, there's a lot of scripting that I do in my work. And I've been taking writing courses on how to do like short, concise um, story writing for business applications. So like there is an element of things that I'm passionate about and the work that I get to do now, I'm not abandoning passions. Um, it just isn't like my, my primary passion. So I would, I would say, yeah, cool. If you don't wanna work with me, that's fine. Um, and for the people who understand and appreciate that some of us um, have other priorities than just our desires and our ambitions and our and our drive, um, then that's cool too. Let's work together. Yeah, I love it. And one of the reasons that I wanted to bring this up is because there's so many people out there who, when they start thinking about jumping into the entrepreneurial space, they are drawn to really big names. They're drawn to your Grant Cordons. They're drawn to your Gary V's, which have amazing content and amazing opinions. I may not agree with all of them, but they do have amazing ideas and they are way more successful than me. So they're doing something right. Um, at the same time, their message is so in your face that I feel like it gets misunderstood. And so that person that's in their nine to five and they're like, I have this passion, I wanna make it work, but I can't afford to leave my nine to five. And these people say that I can't do it unless I can jump completely. So I'm just gonna stay miserable for the next seven years. Like, I feel like that gets lost in that process. I, yeah, I really feel you on that one too. I mean, that's something I definitely got lost in the loud in your face, definitive opinions, as well as um, experienced advice coming from a lot of different online influencers in the business world. And um, it, it becomes very prescriptive of like, this is how you have to do it. But when you start really exposing yourself to more and more and more successful entrepreneurs, there's every opinion under the sun under there and they're all right. You just got to find out like what is going to work for you. Like if you can be a Gary V style entrepreneur and you can create whatever, like hundred pieces of content a week and you have the time and the budget for that and still like have a business to run, like awesome, do that, you know, but there are going to be other entrepreneurs who need to spend 40 hours a week fulfilling on services and have to like, you know, do sales and, and marketing and everything else who just, haven't grown to have that capability yet. And that's okay too. So I think it's good to expose yourself to this stuff, but take everything with a grain of salt, regardless of how it confidently or with the success behind what's said, because there's someone else just as successful who's done it almost the opposite way. Yeah, 100%. And the grain of salt thing, it took me a long time to realize that I could agree with something that somebody said and disagree with something else. And this idea that you can cherry pick ideas to create your own like blueprint to success. So for you, was there a point in, have you always been that? I'm going to take it with a grain of salt, take what works. Or was there a point in time where you were like, okay, this guy said this, so I have to do it. This guy said this, so I have to do it. And then all of a sudden you realized that you were taking pieces. Amber, I feel like you get me. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, especially when I was still in that good student mentality, I was like, oh, they're telling me how to do this. I have to do it their way. And they're telling me that I, I should be able to start a business in one hour a day, you know, mornings and evenings and weekends and whatever. And uh, if I can't do that, then I'm just a terrible human and a piece of crap and, and worthless. And like, 
you know, I, I tried that side hustle thing for so many years and um, there are certain businesses that can work well with that. And there are certain businesses you can't start that way. You can't treat every business as if it's entirely flexible and can be done just in an, in an hour a day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in, the name of that Facebook group is Success Center. Head over there, request to join, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.